Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful intro and to our guy, Mike Regina, for the awesome intro music. We have an action-packed special episode for you today as we have a special guest, a former running back of my Pittsburgh Steelers. But first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Good. That's a tough act to follow. I mean, we got an actual person that knows sports, so I don't want to listen to anything you have to say. Uh, can we just get straight to him? Just get on with the show. Listen, JT. You said be nicer on these intros. I'm being nice. I'm just politely asking you not to speak as much today because there's someone that's with us that I'd rather hear talk more. That's it, it. it. That's true. I just think you're a little hurt that you're not the main attraction in this show today. Sorry, I never bro. said I was. You yeah. keep trying your to na- put that pressure on me. Your name is first on the show title. So you, that's the way you wanted it. That's the way you wanted it. So anyway, can we start the show, please? I Literally just said that, but go ahead. All right, so let's get right to it then and bring in our special guest. Played five seasons in the NFL at running back and was drafted in 2010 by my Pittsburgh Steelers. He made the 2007 ACC All-Freshman team. He was a 2009 ACC champion and was the 2008 ACC Player of the Year. Jonathan Dwyer, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you today, man? Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. JT, you ready to do this? I am, man. As painful as this is for me because, you know, <laughs> G-Tech, UM, when he was there, he used to dominate us, uh, especially on especially on a Thursday night. So this is still, still painful for me, but I'm really glad to have you on, man. But uh, you ready to get started? Let's get started. All right. So let's go directly to the NFL. So... Hottest topic since the NFL draft and according to multiple media sources are the Packers are finalizing a deal with Aaron Rodgers to ensure he plays for them this year by voiding the last year of his contract of the 2023 season. The Packers are also agreeing to not use the franchise tag on him after the 2022 season. So oh. he essentially would become a free agent after 2022. So what are your thoughts on the whole Rodgers saga in Green Bay and who would you say is to blame for how that situation has become so messy? I don't like to be so player biased, but I honestly think it's the front office just because of the standpoint of like, he's done so much for that franchise and for him not to know certain people are going to get cut. Like, even if he does, like, I don't think his process was not to, the fact that he didn't, they, he wanted to have it say so at least run it by it. Like, okay, Hey, we're going to cut Jordy Nelson. That was like his guy. And then he's, they had a great connection. So for him not knowing that for him, I mean, shoot, knowing that there's going to be a replacement, you know what I mean? So, especially after coming off a season where he went to the NFC Championship, it wasn't like he was terrible or he's been on a slippery slope at his career. Like, he's, like a, he's been at the 
a top five quarterback, or actually not even top five, top three quarterback for the past, I don't know, so and so years. So, I mean, I think it's it's to blame the front office for sure. All right. Would you would you put as much blame on the front office if they didn't draft Jordan Love, or do you think that it's just the overall history of what they've done since he's been there? I think knowing knowing the more of it, I like this past his last interview. I didn't know some of the things that went on until this past interview. So now opening the dirty laundry is almost like, well, shit. Like there's a lot more than what we do know, and it's about. You know, I don't think the Jordan Love thing would be a problem if he would have drafted another receiver. They would have drafted another weapon. I don't think he, they, the issue, I think everything that's happened beforehand would have went underneath the bed. But I think that was just that was I think that was the 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 tip of the iceberg. I mean, like you said, he has no problem with Jordan Love. It's the fact of him not knowing. That's what this is where the direction you guys want to go to. Yeah, especially when you look at the receivers that have gone over the past couple of drafts. They could have had a DK or a Justin Jefferson, and you imagine them being together with Devontae. I mean, maybe they do win a Super Bowl if they got somebody like that on the other side. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Jonathan, do you think there's something to it, though, where I always feel like there's always wrongs on both sides, right? And, and you having been a professional football player, you know it's a business, right? Is Aaron Rodgers, in, in your opinion, because I kind of see it as, I think he's taking a little too far now because the Packers are running it as a business, right? So it's nothing personal. It's a business. Maybe they didn't have time to call, you know, Jordan Love or to call Aaron Rodgers to run that pick by him. But is there part of him that he's got to understand it's a business? It's it's not personal because he wants more say, you know, in some of those receiver decisions. And he actually said, I don't know if you heard this, he felt that the release of receiver Jake Kumaro that was the second best receiver in camp last year. He was upset they cut him without consulting with Aaron Rodgers. So I feel like that's a little bit of a slight to Marcus Valdez-Scantling and even Alan Lazard. So is there a point of Rodgers that he has to understand that the GM has to make business decisions, what's best for the Packers and not necessarily what's best for Rodgers? Um, I, I would say yes and no, because the thing, the only knock on those two other guys is they're not as consistent for them to be a number two receiver. They're not consistent enough to be a number two receiver in my eye. Like, in your number two receiver, like, if you look at all the other receivers around the league, there are receiver groups. I mean, you look at Minnesota with Thielen and Jefferson, they're both consistent on the same level. Before Julio left Atlanta, it was Julio and Calvin really. They're both consistent. The times AB and Juju were together, it was, it was you know, pick your poison type mentality. Like, to me, I feel like when I look at them play, it's either, you know, only time he really gets on a three-step drop and really does a, does a legit pass play really is, is a setup to Devonta Adams. Or maybe the Tunyon's really good. Tunyon's probably their second-best receiver on a, on a, on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Lazard is, you know, he's a great player. I think he can be really good. He gets banged up every now and then. Uh, Valdez is a good deep threat, but I mean, how many times do you get to see him do a, uh, have that every every other game? Jordan Nelson did that almost pretty much every other game. True. That's pretty much his routine. So I think the consistency of a, of of them to think that oh we have two number I mean they have maybe have they have two number three receivers and that's what Lazard and Valdez are. But I think from the standpoint of the the level of you know it, it's too big of a gap. I, I agree with you on the fact of, you know, he should have more say. And I think, like you said, the more things that have come out as far as what's going on between him and the front office, 
kind of gives you pause, especially when like that's the status quo around the league. You know, if you're a franchise quarterback and you're a star, like, you know, front office is going to come to you about, you know, personnel moves and things like that. They give you that cachet. But at what point do you think that, you know, Rodgers should be trusted in the front office? Because you look at what they've done. I mean, he always has, what, a top five O-line. He got the best receiver in the game. And, you know, he's got a top five running back. So they know how to put talent around him. Do you think that based on their track record of what they've given him that he should trust them more or do or is it just open and shut like he's a rod they should consult him on mainly everything they do it could be either or i think compared to his years beforehand the year that he beat us in the super bowl they had legitimately five receivers like that could start anywhere like they had five receivers that could start anywhere and they tore our ass up with all five of them don't remind like, me Nelson, don't, don't remind Jordan, me I yes mean, remind during that time, I mean, shoot, it hurt me too. Jordan Nelson was number three receiver at the time. Yep. That's crazy. And, I was, mean, and then yeah. James Jones was number four. Yeah, he ended up leading the league in what receiver touchdowns one year. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and like, you know what I'm saying? So that's what he's used to. So I think, like, that's what he's expecting. And I think that's where he's more dangerous when he has multiple amount of weapons. I mean, he has Aaron Jones, which is good, which he's never really had as a consistent running game. You know, he's had, he has Devontae Adams, who's considerably the best receiver in the game. But it's like, you know, I mean, we have all this line, but why can't we just get that one more guy? Maybe we don't get all three. Maybe we just get one more guy that's, you know, takes the pressure off Devonta Adams or a guy I know I can rely on or et cetera. I mean, he's had Jermichael Finley at one point. He had Jermichael Finley, Adam jo- uh, Pat, uh, James Jones, uh, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, and, and Jordy Nelson. That's lethal. That is crazy. And he had Randall Cobb the following year. But, yeah. Yeah. Is. You look at those defenses some of those years, though, this defense may actually be better than some of those defenses. So maybe part of the management's argument, and I'm not making it for them, Jonathan, I'm just saying maybe part of their argument would be by us not taking a higher receiver or a higher running back some of those years, we've built a pretty good defense with a guy like Jair Alexander. I get that, Jair Alexander, but, I mean, should they kill still can't stop the run. True. So I mean, if you draft, if you don't draft Jordan Love, maybe draft a linebacker or someone, another safety or someone that can help out stopping the run. I mean, I just the whole Jordan Love, it just didn't, it didn't like they could have drafted any other position, and no one would have said anything. They're about okay, all right, yeah. we kept the moving, but they drafted something that they didn't need to replace, and he's not even close to being replaced. That's the part that didn't that bothered everybody. It wasn't the fact of okay, they just draft a linebacker. All right, maybe they draft the someone else in the second round. They didn't even go close to that. Like that whole draft was just like the most opposite draft I've ever seen for them. And usually they do a good job because one of my, my college roommate, Morgan Burnett, played for Green Bay. They've had good picks and, you know, things like that. So it's not like they haven't done well in the past. It's just this time it was just – that time was just different. All right. Well, he, you brought up Devontae, so that's kind of where I want to go next. So if, now that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay, whether it's one season or two, he's back and they're working on his deal – now Devontae is more willing to work on, you know, a long-term deal in Green Bay. Bearing that gets done with Devontae, what do you see for the futures of Rodgers and Adams beyond next year, beyond this season? I think Rodgers will end up going somewhere else. Don't know exactly where. I know a lot of places would definitely, you know, literally drop everybody to get him. Um, I think um, Devontae Adams, I think he has to get paid, like, you're hot, you know, you can't settle for anything less. Um, and if he doesn't, and they don't do it then, I mean, he's going to be – I mean, I know Oakland's going to go after him. 
Um, she Oakland might go after both of them. Yeah, that's a good and, point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he can go anywhere. I mean, I, like, you know, there's certain players in this league that, you know, you can stick them anywhere they're going to be successful. And those two are definitely one of those places that, like, you know, they're like LeBron and KD. Like, they can go anywhere and they're going to they're gonna put up, you know, crazy numbers. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You never know what the Raiders are going to do with Mike Mayock yeah. and John Gruden. They may just package something together and, and get both Devontae and Aaron Rodgers and, and give them huge extensions. So that, that's a great great point that you bring up there it doesn't make you nervous that I feel like everyone feels Rodgers is going to be gone at some point whether it's after this season or after the next season do you think Devontae knowing that because I mean they talk they they obviously cool they on the same page do you think if he knows Rodgers is gone in two years max that he's more willing to sign an extension long term to stay in Green Bay I mean in his opinion I mean and he can, I mean, regardless of whether Aaron or stays, he's going to get open regardless. They just got to find – quarterbacks got to throw the ball somewhere near him. He's going to catch it. Yeah. So, sure. um, I think he's in a win-win situation. Obviously, you want to play with the best – one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is your time to, you know, to get that bag. You, you, got, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. I got to say this, though. One more, one more question on Aaron Rodgers. And I know, Don, I know you don't want me to bring this up because you could care less about Madden. But – People care about it, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to, I'm talking to him. So 99 Club came out. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, Kelsey, Ramsey, Donald, they're all in there. But Aaron Rodgers is not. Do you think that that's wrong, that the MVP of the league is not in the 99 Club? I think so. Hold on, hold on. Let, me, let me ask my brother, Jordan. Do you think, <laughs> uh, do you think uh, Aaron Rodgers should be in the 99 Club and he was a returning MVP? He said yes. So there, there you go. go. That's the <laughs> sports. You got it wrong. I, I, I love it. It's a, fa- <laughs> a I love it. It's a family affair. I love it. Ask him yeah. who is he who is he taking out of that group of five to replace with Rogers? Which one? Of the top five quarterbacks? Of the top five people in the 99 club. So he's got to take out Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Travis Kelsey, Devontae, or Patrick Mahomes. One of them gotta go and Rogers taking their place. Jordan. Jordan. If you had to take away one of the players in 99 Club and put Rodgers in, who are you taking out? Away? Yeah. I think there should be more 99. He just thinks there should be more 99 people. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. 699. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Makes sense. So, um, is Yonder Hopkins 99? Nope. No, he, nope. No, he is not. He says, he says, see, he says <laughs> see right there. That's the point right there. <laughs> He wants 1099. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone from Madden's li- Madden is listening to this. They they've got to listen to uh to your brother Jordan to to put on yeah. some more 99 guys. <laughs> um Jonathan, we'll get back to some more football. We know that's your forte, but we we hear that you don't mind talking some basketball and there's a big trade that went down um between the Lakers and the Wizards. Uh, the NBA draft was this past Thursday, but the biggest news was that trade. The Wizard traded um, Russell Westbrook, a 2024 second round pick and a 2028 second round pick to the Lakers for Kuzma, uh, Caldwell Pope, Montrez Harrell, and the 22nd pick uh, in this year's draft, which the Wizards then selected Isaiah Walker. So um, which team do you think won that deal? I think maybe both of them, in a way. I mean, I think the Lakers got what they really wanted. Someone else didn't get a bucket. Um, so, you know, and I think that 
you know, they got enough money right now at this standpoint for free agency. They can go get kind of what they need, the things that they need and the people that they need. Um, they need to get more athletic in the, at the at the center position. Um, like, I don't know why they got rid of Dwight and uh, McGee. Like, that was terrible. Um, they got to get shooters. I mean, really, honest in a way, like three and D players. Like, that's kind of what they need right now. Sound like Trevor Ariza going to be on speed dial. <laughs> yeah. JT, I totally agree. That's what I had. Both teams won here. Um, gives cap flexibility for the Wizards. And they were able to get a first-round pick for Westbrook, who's 32 and, and has had a lot of injuries. Um, and Westbrook's going to help the Lakers. I, he's my – Jonathan, by the way, Westbrook currently my favorite player. The guy brings it every night. And so I think LeBron can kind of chill some on a, a lot of nights, and, and Westbrook will pick up all those other – all those other things, the rebounding, the scoring, the facilitating, and LeBron will be yeah. fresh, fresh for the playoffs. I, I, I think I think that, I mean, supposedly they had a conversation and they said they were going to put their egos to the side. I mean, I think, you know, they're going to have to play positions that they don't really want to play. Like, obviously, Anthony Davis doesn't like playing the five. He's got to play the five. Um, Bron's going to have to play the four sometimes. And, um, you know, Anthony Davis just got to stay healthy. I mean, if he stays healthy, I think they could – you know, they can win the whole thing. But if he's not, I mean, they'll, they'll still go deep with Braun and, and Russell, but they need Anthony Davis. He's he's the X factor. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, man. I, I I like your premise of both teams won because, like you said, the Lakers get another stud. Somebody can get a bucket, especially in the playoffs when you need it the most. I kind of like what the Wizards did because I just felt like with Westbrook, that team was only going to go so far. Now you got all these young players – whether you develop them or, you know, you flip them for somebody else down the line, I think that gives the Wizards a bunch of options. And I think it frees them up to to possibly decide what they want to do with Bradley Bill should he stay. You know, maybe they can bring in somebody else, you know, that you know, fits better Bill with him. Get the hell up out of there. <laughs> no chance he stays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he don't want to be there, man. He was jealous when he saw the, he saw, he's jealous when he saw the trade. <laughs> are you well what's a good point are you shocked that they didn't trade for beal instead of westbrook because to me like you said it that's i agree with you on the part of the lakers needing shooters because that's why they were going after buddy hill too but would it have made more sense to go get bradley beal and russell westbrook considering he beal feels more of a need of what they need to go to win a championship um i think what's the kid's name tucker what's his name Oh, uh, the Horton, Horton Tucker. Horton Tucker, yeah. I, I, th I think that he's developing. I think that they, they see a, a future in him. That might be the reason why. But, I mean, they just need another facilitator, someone who can take the ball out of a like, So, Brian has had to take the ball up every single time the court. Yep. I agree. And Westbrook, Westbrook can dictate the pace of the game if he will, however he wants to. Yep. And, and also, I don't know if the Lakers had enough pieces to send to the Wizards for Beal, right? I mean – yeah, Obviously, I think I think Bill is more expensive. Ex exactly. Yep. Exactly. I I I agree. I agree. Um. So, Jonathan, is this the last chance for Russell Westbrook to win a title, and not necessarily just to win a title, but actually be a contributor on a championship team? Um. I mean, he's had his moments. I mean, where he could, where he's had, where he's contributed. Um. I mean, obviously, no one forgets the three-one leader they gave up to Golden State, but. Uh, I think this is this gives him a higher opportunity than, than any other, like besides the year 
all three of those guys, him, Harden, and Jay, and Durant were really young, which I don't think they were ready for that moment. But besides that moment, besides their no sign, I think this is gives him a, a more legitimate chance. JT, you think this is this is Russ's last shot? Michael Jackson, this is it. Like this is this is the last, <laughs> this is the last shot, man. This is the end of the road. Like CP3 to me got a better shot at doing it again than Russell Westbrook because I feel like if he can't make it work with LeBron, everything that people have said about him as far as being a teammate and being a winner, I feel like it's going to be amplified. So unless, like you said, like he, they put their egos to the side, he really changes his game and, you know, they really do what it takes to make it work. Like when he was with D Wade in Miami. Yeah. That's absolutely, absolutely be his last shot. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. He he's going back home to LA. This is kind of a, a good a good story for him to to end it to end his career that way and hopefully hopefully get a get a title. I'm gonna be rooting for Russ, even though that means rooting for the Lakers. Yeah. But uh everybody, everybody likes everybody likes Brody, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good dude, good dude. <laughs> Except if you gotta play against him, because then he's he's uh he's an intense guy that's gonna get up no. uh, on defense on you. So so y'all so you guys I, I, are both I don't want, I wouldn't want anything to do with them. <laughs> see y'all both choosing the lakers to win it already next year yeah. i want to get that on record i mean yes, i'm gonna cho- I'm, I'm i'm gonna choose it because i'm a lebron fan that's mm-hmm. just me but um i think i think they have a more better chance than what they did last year like i looked at the roster last year i just i didn't like it didn't like they didn't scare me from a standpoint of like from what they had like i mean kuzma come off the bench he was up and down um I mean, they had guys up there. I mean, I don't know. Like that team last year, they, they didn't put fear in my heart at all. Yeah, that's that like, KCP think about, like, effect. Like, 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 think about it. you got to deal with Brody for forty-eight minutes. Yeah, he's the number three. And he's the number three. And think about when you go when those two go out the court and he's in there. You got to deal. And he's not going to slow down. Yeah, he's going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of teams last year felt the same way that they weren't scared of the Lakers bench. So, no. uh, which, which was different than the year before, which the bench, I'm not saying, you know, won the title for them, but they were definitely helping LeBron and AD um, when they did come on the court, which was different than this past year. I, I, I agree. Most definitely. All right. You guys ready to go back to NFL? Let's do it. All right. So last week, the NFL informed teams of the consequences if there is a COVID-19 outbreak among unvaccinated players on a team. So just to run down real quick, those consequences include a forfeit for that team, which becomes a loss on their record, and players on both teams will not be paid for that game. In addition, there has been a war of, wor- a war of words regarding getting vaccinated between NFL Hall of Famer Michael Irvin and current Buffalo Bills receiver Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley also questioned teammate Jerry Hughes' tweet about the vaccine. So, John, I want to come to you because you, you've been in the NFL locker room. You know the dynamic there. Are NFL locker rooms heading for a meltdown over this new COVID-19 policy? It could. They could or they could not. It's, it's a 50-50 effect. Like, you got to have a great coach, man. you got to have some leaders in that locker room that's going to help stay everybody together. I mean, I, mean, I got vaccinated because, I mean, I want to be around my parents. You know, and you know, you know, and things like that. Bring my son around them, and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, just protecting the kids. I mean, I'm a high school football coach, so just protecting the kids at the same time. Um, you know, I, I always believe it's you know, you can do what you want to do. Is pro, I, I mean, 
it's your body's your body. Like I've never been like you got to do this. Like you can do what the hell you want to do. But at the same time, the same time, um, you got to do what's what's best for you. Um, it could mess up some locker rooms, but we'll see. Yeah. Do you think how does the not so much the forfeiting the game, because I think obviously that's a big deal because you guys only have so many games you can play in a season. But how do you feel the possibility of guys losing game checks? Like, how will that affect the locker room dynamic? Now, listen, that's the first time I ever heard that. That shit. Like losing a game, losing game check, especially if you're a young guy. Oh yeah, that like they're taking money away from that might that might change the people's mentality. I mean, those older guys, I mean, they might feel some type of way. They might not. Those younger guys, they're gonna do what the hell they gotta do. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan, you bring up a good point there. Like with the young guys, and where I would be upset, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. If I was a player, which which I was not, obviously, but clearly, if, if, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You know, no, I've, I've, I have not been working out. You had your four but, games straight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know if I was one of those players that was on the team that did not have the outbreak and now I'm not receiving a game check because it's the other team that's kind of where I would get upset is hey our team did everything we were supposed to we had a vaccination rate of above 85 percent or whatever there was no outbreak it's not our fault my team's fault that the other team had an outbreak because of unvaccinated players so I think that's really where where the the hard feelings could come into play that why am I being punished when we did everything right? We were ready to show up and play. We didn't have an outbreak. We should at least get the game check, even if you got to make the other team pay for our game check. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough situation. I mean, there's some people going to feel some type of way. I mean, that's that's crazy. Like, I didn't know about forfeiting the game check. I knew about forfeiting the win, but. Right. And, and, and that's why. Yeah, game check is, that's, that's, that changes everything. Right. And, and that's why some of the players, I don't know if you saw Jonathan, but a lot of players either on Instagram or tweeted about the NFLPA not looking out for them because now it's, it is affecting their, their, uh, their checkbook. Yeah. I mean, the NFLPA, I got mixed feelings with, with them anyway. So, I mean, I remember the strike that we had in 2011 and the deal that we took was bullcrap. Like everybody passed it except for us, the Steelers, mm. because we looked at the deal and realized, I mean, it doesn't, it's not going to affect help us. I mean, it might help my son when he's in the NFL one day, but like him, like us as players, like the benefits and this, that third, and you know, only got a certain amount of years to do this and do that. And this is just like, I mean, how are you really helping us at the end of the day? Right. What was right. the biggest deal breaker in that negotiated negotiation that was like, all right, the Steelers were out as a team? I'm trying to think. Oh my gosh, so long ago. Um, <laughs> shit. Um, I want to say something with the uh, like we almost had a strike in the Super Bowl the year before, where if Aaron didn't start the interviews, we weren't we were going to boycott the interviews. Hmm. Hmm. Year before, but he went ahead and started interviews, so we started interviewing. But um. I can't remember what was the main thing. I wish Ryan Clark was right here if he could tell me. Um, <laughs> or Charlie Batch, one of them two. I for, it was something like that we just all didn't agree with. Like I think it was something with our with our paycheck or something like that. It was messed up. Or our medical, something with medical. That that was kind of iffy too. It it wasn't the uh, the health insurance for after you retired. Yes, that's what it was. 
Because it's basically like, I mean, to me, in my personal opinion, if you play this game and what this game does to you from a physical standpoint, not and not just from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, like, like people understand, understand, like, yeah, we're on the, we're like, we're living a lifestyle and it's all great and Denny, but like, they understand the shit that we got to go through week in and week out from a physical standpoint of like, I didn't feel good again until Saturday. Wow. Then I had to get hit again tomorrow and then go back to trying to do whatever I had to do, spending money on this and this and this, and this, so I can be ready to practice. Right. And then do it for 16 straight weeks and maybe the play and maybe the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, when the, the season's over, when your career's over with, you only got a certain amount of years of, them covering your medical right. yeah you know and it's just like i mean like if you play this game and you i mean i get maybe not you didn't make the team okay i get it but if you played a multiple amount of years at least over three i mean you should be getting taken care of especially if you had some injuries and things like that that need to be taken care of they should be able to pay for that like if my like knees or ankles or whatever they should be able to pay for that and yeah. they got all this damn money they have they're not willing to do that, especially not just my generation, the guys before me. Like, if you look at some guys before you, like, I mean, they look okay, but, I mean, who really knows how they actually feel? Right. That's a yeah. point. JT and I would agree that if you've played three, maybe four years, but probably minimum of three, that you should get health insurance lifetime. for a lifetime after lifetime. your after your career. Because like you said, NFL is making a ton of money. And even the show you, Roger Goodell, at one point when he was renegotiating his contract as commissioner, he asked for lifetime health insurance for not only him, but his family. So it goes to show you how important, you know, something, something like that is. Uh, JT, before we go on to the next one, Jonathan, you mentioned, I thought you brought up a good point there where it's going to be on how good the coach is to keep the locker room together with this you know, COVID vaccine um, issue, being a Steeler fan, I got to believe that our guy, Mike Tomlin, will be able to have the locker room tight, whatever disagreements there may be, but he's going to get them ready every Sunday to play. Yes or no, do you, do you agree with me? I mean, those teams like, you know, those teams like Pittsburgh or freaking um, New England or even Kansas City, like they'll be fine. Tampa will be fine because they got Bruce. Um, mm-hmm. and they have Tom Brady in there. So it's like, you know, places like that, that's the, those are people like even Seattle with Pete, like, or Arizona, they got, they got veteran leadership, you know, and things like that. But those places that, you know, you scratch your head on, you know, you know, and you know who, like, you know, those teams and you're like, man, I don't know if they're going to make it, you know, Buffalo, so, one of those head scratchers. <laughs> they, they might be, man. They might be, <laughs> but I mean, but I think I think they have a great coach. I think uh, McDermott is a great coach. I think that they have veteran leadership on the team. They got Emmanuel. They got some other guys. Uh, I know Emmanuel and Cole are really close. So uh, maybe they can figure something out or whatnot. I mean, New Orleans will be okay. I mean, I think New Orleans is more worried about a quarterback than they are anything else. But um, you know, other places, you know, Washington D.C. You know, with Rivera and. You know, guys who are just straight up leaders, and you know, you know that players run through a wall for them. Uh, I think those places would be good, but you know, those other places, especially with new coaches like Atlanta or uh, who else got a new coach? Houston. Houston's already in shambles, but yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. But you know, new coaches and things like that, that'll be different. So, I mean, it's gonna take some great coaching. Yep. That's a good point. And speaking of some great coaches, I think the AFC North at least has has a couple. 
Um, so since you played for the Pittsburgh Steelers who play in the NFC North, we, we got to ask you some of these questions. Can you rank the teams in that division going into this season from, from best to worst? I hate doing this. Um, <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, I'm definitely, I got to put Cleveland at number one. Okay. Um, I got to put Baltimore number two. Then I'll put Pittsburgh. Then I'll put Cincinnati just because the work, like, I mean, Joe Burrow's really, really good, but if they can't block for him, then it won't matter. Right. True. Right. JT, what do, what's your rankings look like? I agree with him. The only thing is we just swap the Ravens and the Browns at one and two. But, yeah, I think Steelers are clearly the number three, and then the Bengals are the Bengals. They're number four. Well, I'm going to be a homer here, guys. I agree with everything Jonathan had, but I'm going to flip. I'm putting Cleveland three, Pittsburgh one. The only reason why I say that is I think Cleveland's been so used to playing kind of under the radar. The one year they had hype, they faltered. They've been playing under the radar, and I think it's tough getting the best of your opponent every week, and I think that's what the Cleveland Browns are going to get this year, and that means Pittsburgh twice, uh, Baltimore twice, and pretty much everybody else is going to give their 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 best shot at Cleveland, and I, and I think that does have a little bit of an effect over the course of 17 games now. I agree, but if they can run the ball, it doesn't even matter who they play. That's true. That's true. And then they get, and then they get, now they have Clowney and Miles Garrett. Jesus. Well, we're not going to get into that Clowney debate. Me and him are always <laughs> at odds about Clowney. I, listen, I think Clowney's a great player. JT disagrees with me, but it sounds like Jonathan agrees I, with I me. Think, I, I think, I think Clowney's better when he has someone else around him. Like, Clowney can't be just a guy. Like, his best years were when he was in Houston and he had JJ Watt with him. Right. Yeah, now like you got he Garrett. Can't, like he, like he, like he can't play. He can't be the guy. Like he's going to be a great passer. He's going to make plays. Even his time in Tennessee, like he did okay, but his best years were in Houston when he had another, like another dude. Yeah. And Miles Garrett is that dude. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. So speaking of Miles Garrett, is he the best player in that division, or do you have someone else as the best player in that division? He's definitely top two. I don't. I, I can't think of someone else. I'm going to throw my guy out there while you think. I think the best player in that division, I think Garrett's really close and Lamar Jackson's really close, but I think it's going to be T.J. Watt. Oh, I forgot about T.J. Watt. My bad. Um, I would say definitely it's between – top two is definitely between T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. Jake, y'all, y'all or, 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 my bad. Come on, bring it home. You got to say, say Chubb. Oh, he a running back, so I forgot, man. Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all went completely huh? different directions. Come on, the FC North. Yeah, it's got to be the who's MVP. The best, who's, it's Lamar. Who's, who's, the, who's the best player in the FC North? <laughs> he said Lamar. Dude. He's laughing. He's laughing at yes. Lamar though. <laughs> he said Lamar. He said Lamar. Yeah. I'm talking about from last year. Oh, Chubb. That's what I said. I said Big Chubb. <laughs> you got to change that answer real quick. He said Chubb is yeah. the right answer. <laughs> but nah, I, I think the I think Anthony was very talented. I think I mean you can go you know you can debate it, but I think T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett are definitely up there. I mean Lamar Jackson's definitely up there. I mean shoot, if you want to be technical, if Odell becomes ever again Odell, man. That, that I don't think I don't think there's anyone in that division that could just match New York hold. Giants Odell. Yeah, if, if New if New York Odell comes back, 
Well, he, he got the blonde hair back, so he might be. I mean, I I'll see the workout it, video. It, I mean, he was doing good last year until he got hurt. Like, it was yeah. just like – so, I mean, like, if New York Odell comes back, he's the, like, he is the most under – like, people don't appreciate him, like, his skill set, what he can do. Like, he not only can just run rounds, but his, his body control after he catches the ball is so – and the way – when he gets the ball in his hands, you stand up and you're scared as hell because you don't know what's going to happen. That's true. That sounds like New York Odell in a nutshell right there. Yeah. So – uh, so, Jonathan, looking to the upcoming season, then who's the the one guy in that division that you think's gonna have that breakout season that we're gonna be talking about at the end of the season that maybe is flying under that radar right now? Under the radar, I don't even know. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, uh, I mean, last year I thought it was gonna be Claypool, but he went dead halfway through after the half part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that's not it's not and it wasn't totally his fault, but you know, um, I would say uh, who's under the radar in that division? I guess J.K. Dobbins. I mean, this is his time. That's a good one. Yep. Yep. This is it. Like this is it. Like this is it. And he, and he was toting last year, so I don't like. Yep. I think hey, you can't go wrong with J.K. J.T. Who who you got? Well, he kind of stole my answer. I was like, oh, JK, that's, that's a good one. But I'm, I'm going to go with the guy on y'all team. I mean, he's not really under the radar, but he hasn't broken out yet. It's Najee Harris. I mean, he's going to get all the work. I mean, if the Steelers can, you know, fix the O-line and find out how to run the ball again, I mean, you looking at a dude who's going to get 350 touches. Like He, he, was, he, he, was, my, he, he was my rookie under the radar. That was my rookie guy I was going to pick. Najee Harris is a grown-ass man. Like, he's yeah. – <laughs> He's legit. I like how I, mean, running... I feel like I mean, I mean, I feel like he's a more um, like he reminds me of LB, but he's a lot more explosive than LB is. Mm. Not like L, like I think he could take one to the crib like from distance. Like LB's gonna run out of gas a little bit, um, but like their style, like the shakes, the hesitations, the ability to catch the ball, they're pretty much the same player. I just think he has a little more oomph, like like burst than uh, LB does. Mm-hmm. I like how the running backs stick together. I, I like that. Guys stick together. Got to, man. They, they, they don't value us like they're like they supposed to. I agree. <laughs> I agree. They're definitely not a valued commodity in the NFL, man. Um, my my breakout guy is is the receiver from the Bengals, <laughs> T, T. Higgins. Um, you I think, love T. Higgins, man. I think, Bur- <laughs> I think Burrow's going to be looking for him. I think Burrow's going to be looking for him. I mean, I know he's got, uh, what, Tyler Boyd on the other side, but Boyd's going to demand – that attention and, and T Higgins can ball. We we've seen it at times. So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with him. Um, that that's, that's my guy. Can you, can you get over the Browns though? Cause I feel like you're sliding the Browns a little bit. I agree with him when he said they were a top two team, but I feel like you haven't forgiven them from, I think it was two years ago when you picked them to win it, to win the Super Bowl, And they had that meltdown. I feel like ever since then, you just been like any chance to not put the Browns up there. You that's, not, you know, that's not, not gone tr- there. That's not true. I, I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like during that time period, it was too early to crown them or too early because it's because they got one player. I fell for it. I fell oh, he always it. does things that you're too I, early. I, That's his point. <laughs> <saying. laughs> I picked them last year to go to the playoffs. So I've, I've, I'm not, I'm not down on the Browns. I just, I mean, that was, that was, a, that was a downward turn from the Baker MVP, the Browns Super Bowl. You were all in that year. I still, still had them pick, go to the playoffs. So. Anyway, right. next question, JT. Let's All go. All right, cool. Let's go to Team USA basketball. So they lost their opening game in pool play earlier this week to France, uh, 83 to 76. The team is in no way at this point a lock for the gold medal as 
has been the case in past years. So, John, why is this Team USA basketball team struggling as NBA role players in other countries are thriving in international play? Uh, I mean, I feel like this Olympics as a whole is starting to show the world that, you know, we're not as dominant as we think we are. I mean, this is just not basketball. I mean, I'm watching every other sport, and I'm just like, shoot. I saw this dude from Norway run the 400-meter hurdles yesterday, white guy, fast as hell. And I was just like, man, well, U.S. used to dominate that race. Not anymore. You know, and other other things, other events, we used to do well in it. Not anymore. You know, so it's just like things are different. I mean, we used to dominate tennis, but, I mean, Serena's not Serena anymore. You know, so it's just like things are changing. Um Basketball, we have good players, but, I mean, at the same point, I mean, some of these guys have been playing forever. I mean, we just throw a team together in two, three months and decide, hey, let's figure it out and go from there. Yep. It's funny, it's funny you said that. Before you go, I want to ask you this question because I saw a video on this yesterday and I didn't think about it this way. So we know who's on Team, team USA right now. It's a good team, don't get me wrong, but they did a comparison of the team that's over there versus the team that's back home. So that team that's not there has Braun, Curry, Kawhi, AD, Bradley Bill, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Brody, Donovan Mitchell, Klay Thompson, and Carmelo Anthony. And I looked at that list and I'm like, well, it makes sense why they might not win a gold medal because that team that's back home is loaded and Giannis yeah. isn't even on that list. So I'm going to throw him in there too. Uh, he, he plays for Greece though, so Giannis yeah. cannot be on that list. Yeah. But if, he, but, if he, but if he were on the team, I would throw him in there too. But I'm like, that, that team that's back home, that's that's like dream team stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see anybody touching that team that we have that's not over there right now. Yeah, right. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, shoot, I was watching um the women's play. Shoot, like for last for the first like 10, 15 minutes, like whoever like the Nigeria was giving them fits. Like it's just that the game is evolving and it's not just in America anymore. Our sports are evolving. The things that you know, that we have are not just there anymore. And some some shit that they got overseas is probably more advanced than what we got. So it's just like, you know, it's not it's not the same. And we got, you know, we got to come differently. And, I mean, it's not the fault. I mean, LeBron's 30-something years old. So, I mean, I mean, I would sit around too. I just been, I've been on the straight finals every single year. You know. Yeah, it like, had been. This, this is my time to rest or spend time with my family, et cetera. Yeah, had been like nine straight years up until last year. So I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's um, but yeah, I think you're right. Time to make space jam. <laughs> I I think you're right too, though, Jonathan. The rest of the world has caught up to us, at least in basketball and maybe some of the other sports, because some of the coaches and trainers do go overseas, run clinics, run camps, and you know when you've been doing that 30, 40 years. Um, it's been already 30 years since the dream team. And, and that's really where some of the roots overseas started to develop, mm-hmm. um, such as a place like Greece, right? That's where Giannis is coming from and his brothers. So, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think just the rest of the world is, is, is catching up. And then you also look at how they view it, meaning the other teams, international teams, Luka Doncic said to him, it's more important to win a gold medal than an NBA title where, I think all three of us right now would say I'd rather have an NBA title, but that's just kind of maybe our mentality over here in the U S that the NBA title does mean more than a gold medal. I mean, to me, if I was playing, if I was the NBA, but obviously football, there wouldn't even be a contest. But the point is that basketball wise, I mean, from their standpoint, like where's, where's, uh, he's from a Sylvathia. Uh, 
Yes, I think he's Slovenia. Yep. I mean, think about it. If he won a gold medal, like what his country would do for him. That's good point. Yep. That's true. Like, like his country, like they would be not just one statue, <laughs> multiple statues <laughs> of Luka Doncic everywhere. And he don't have to win. A, he can win. He doesn't have to win a, a MV, a, another title of anything. He can win MVP or something like that. Like for him, for now on, he will be like baby Jesus where he's from. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Espe- especially if he did it in the gold medal game against a U.S. team, right? Did you see? Did you see how much people, how much they get paid if they win a gold medal from different countries and compared to U.S.? No, no, no. What's the break? We get the least. We get the least. We get the least amount. Wow. Interesting. And the only way it's like thinking about it, if like Simone Biles made a lot of money, not just because she won a gold medal, the sponsorship she's got. Endorse. Yep. She was everywhere, so they were paying millions of dollars just to be mm-hmm. on some commercial or whatever that's how people like one of my girls the friends like girlfriends that i know like she ran track and she won gold and she was i was like so i was like how, like how's it like break down like you, you know you're world champion like he's like i'm just this endorsement i'm just trying to get all these endorsements so why are you trying to get all these damn endorsements she's like that's how i get my money and i was like hold up what like so you didn't get like a grip like coming back after you won a gold medal and she's like, I got something, but not like those people from other countries. Ah, interesting. So interesting. She, so when she told me that, I was like, I was baffled. I was like, you just want a gold medal in a sport that's really like track and field is huge, but it's not like it's big, more bigger in the world than it is in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Kind of, you would figure the U.S. Olympic Committee would have a ton more money than the other nations can get. I mean, shoot. I mean, they're struggling to pay the USA women's team, and they. Are in the World Olympics, and our USA men's team are at home playing the Gold Cup, and they get paid more than the women's team does. So that shows you how how we how we think. Yeah, I mean, I was telling him before. I, it feels like at times, also like piggybacking off of what you were describing, it feels like America kind of sometimes doesn't prioritize the Olympics like other countries do, and that's probably why they play us so hard. You know, like you said, like if Luca wins a gold medal, especially against the U.S., like he getting multiple statues, they're gonna build facilities in his name, like he gonna be baby Jesus over there. So that's a good point. Well, sticking with the Olympics Tuesday um, at the Olympics, saw the, the greatest gymnast of all time, Simone Biles pull out of the women's gymnastics team finals due to uh, what she claimed as, as mental health, not a physical injury. Uh, she has subsequently withdrawn from or did from the individual all around competition and so, Jonathan, having you as a as a former athlete, former professional player, if if you could explain to the listeners and, and even to JT and I, who obviously didn't play at that high level that you did, how important and you mentioned it er- earlier too, how important is mental health um, for an athlete in relation to not only performance but just general well being? Um, it's it's huge well being wise in general, but I always tell even my athletes that I you know coach or train or whatever. I tell them the most important muscle is your brain. Um, in, in all reality, like you can train as much as you want, you can be the best shape in your life. But if you're not mentally tough or you're not mentally focused or mentally able to go do what you're supposed to do, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. you're already lost right there. I mean, the mental part is the most important thing in the world. Um, I feel like for Simone, I mean, if she felt like she wasn't ready, or she felt like she wasn't going to give what she wants to, what she believes that she can give. She has every right to do what she did. I mean, she's looking out there for herself. I mean, yes, yeah, it sucks for the team, 
But at the same time, like, I mean, you're a human too. She's a person. Like, she has her own problems or whatever the point may be. I mean, think about it. I mean, our families couldn't go over there. So, I mean, maybe that's a comfort zone issue. I mean, when I saw her perform the first time, someone's off with her. Like, now, like, everything came out and I was just, then I replayed watching how she looked. Like, she looked like she was not there from a standpoint of just mentally. Um, I heard somewhere on, like, Jim Rogan or something like that where she had, um, she has ADHD and she could, she's not allowed to take her medication in Tokyo. So if she's not allowed to take that, I mean, that can help, you know, alter her, because I have ADD too. And if I don't take my med- medication, <clears throat> that messes me up from a standpoint of focus and being calm, anxiety, everything. So if she can't take hers, I mean, shoot, and you're an Olympic stage, where do you think your head is? It's all over the place. I, I had not. I had not I heard about, about that. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. about that either in terms of not, not allowing her to bring or to take her, her medication. That's that's an interesting thing. And she has had a lot of um, people support her um, and, and come to her backing. There's obviously always going to be the detractors that go a little bit too cutthroat on her. And, and, and so having you on the show, I think you're more qualified than than anyone we've had on the show to answer this. Um, a sports journalist, Clay Travis, don't know if you've heard of him. He hosts um, the podcast Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. And he said this about the decision by Simone Biles. And I quote here, I think she should apologize to her teammates for quitting on them. End of quote. So if you were one of her teammates in the team competition and she left, you know, after that, the first part of the competition, would you be upset with her? And do you think she owes the teammates, not the country, not the fans, not the sponsors, but the teammates an apology? No. I mean, she, from what I was told, she explained why she withdrawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a teammate, if you tell me what's wrong with you, I mean, all right, fine. I mean, handle your business. Like, that's how I feel. Like, you know, I mean, you just walk away and quit and don't tell nobody. That's the whole other whole nother thing, unless you're injured or something like that. But I'm from what I was from what report said she was told her she's like I'm not mentally here like something's wrong with me something's wrong with me and then you know then I'm I need my medication this that third obviously her parents weren't there so that messed up things too so it's like you know I mean if 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 you explain to me what's wrong and everything like especially if you care about your teammate you're going to be understanding and like I don't think mental t- mental Mental health is something that you play around with. Right. JT, your thoughts? Um, well, first of all, I think Clay Travis is an idiot. So I don't I don't agree with anything he said because he also said in that quote that the US should basically bar her from doing the individual competitions because she quit on the team. And I'm just like, like you just described, like there's so many things that go into, you know, being mentally prepared to compete at that level. And if you don't feel you're right you know, don't do it. You know, you don't know what's going on with her. And then also she goes out there and competes and doesn't win. She got to deal with the backlash of, oh, you know, she didn't live up to our expectations. So it was a lose-lose for her, but she's got to do, like you said, what's right for her. And you brought up a good point with the family because I do think that, you know, especially like individual sports, like tennis, gymnastics, like family is basically your main fans. Like they go to all your meets, they go to all your competitions and like you look to them, you know, they're going to be there and you feel comfortable. So I would say Clay doesn't really know what he's talking about. I mean, he's not a gymnast. And then also, too, I mean, you kind of brought this up about the whole, um, which I didn't know about, the twisties thing, you know, like kind of like not being able to throw it back to home. And, you know, gymnasts go through that. 
And uh, there was a lady, uh, she's the basically like the videographer for the UCLA gymnastics team. I'm sure she did some sort of gymnastics in her past. Um, Deanna Hong. And she basically said like there was a there was a land that Simone Biles did. And basically, like she talked to all the like elite gymnasts that she knew. And basically, if anybody else would have tried to stick that landing other than Biles, they probably would have either blown out a knee or been paralyzed. And everybody thinks it was not a big deal because Biles landed on her feet, but they don't realize like how much of a goat she is athletically that that is literally the most dangerous thing that you can do. And only she was the only person on the planet that could pull it off. And hey, did you, you think, did you, okay. did you see the, the her, her difficult level scores? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Insane. Like, always, always the like, highest. Like, like, like she is the goat. Like, I mean, I don't understand why people are talking about it. I mean, you want to talk about the whole thing about mental health? Yes. But to sit here and talk about some girl, you know, on top of that, who probably feels bad of what she did. But, I mean, I think people are people are ignorant. People are stupid. Like, just to say whatever they want to say, not think about what what they're saying and just, you know, judging somebody. And, and like, she probably – he doesn't probably know Simone Biles from, from a coat of paint. Right. Like – sit here and like tell me that she's not the most one of the most competitive people that you've ever like she's one of the most competitive people in her sport like you think she wanted to come out no because she knew she wanted to try things and she said that she wanted to do things that people that never seen before and put on a show but if she's not mentally ready to go do that then what's the point of going out there and especially if you're going to hurt yourself or help to hurt the team yeah i agree i mean just think about it. Some like Simone Biles, like you talk about her difficulty scores. Like she has been, her routines have been so. I, I feel like unique is not even the right word. Like they've been so rare over her career. Like they didn't even know how to judge her for the longest period of time. And it's like, who else? People don't even know like who other gymnasts are. Like they know Simone Biles. Like that's how transcendent she is. So like, for all those people that are saying like, oh, cause she backed out of this, you know, like she can't be the goat. I'm like then find me another goat in gymnastics. Like she is an all time athlete, like no matter what the sport is, no matter whether she's male or female, like what she's done is she's up there with MJ. Like she's up there with Serena. She's the best of all time. Like it's not even close and she can do what she wants. And if this is what she felt was the right decision, I'm all 100% on board with her. I mean, look at, I mean, people come to her gym because of who she is. Exactly. Especially girls of color. Like they go to her gym because of like, um, Tony Cromartie's daughter, who's really good at gymnastics, she moved to Houston, really, to do gymnastics because that's who she wants to be. Because I mean, it's like Gabby Douglas started it, then Simone Simone took it to a whole other level. It's just like, dang, like who, like who, like who's gonna be next to do that or trans or be even higher than that? So once in a lifetime, like even like you brought up Gabby Douglas, I feel like even when she was, you know, really doing well, like it was always like, well, Simone is coming. Like, just wait, like there's somebody that's going to be better than that. So, yeah. So you're running back. So we got, of course, we can't let you leave the show without asking you, who are your top three running backs of all time in the NFL? Top three running backs of all time. Uh, my favorite is definitely Walter Payton. Um, Damian Thomason, my number two. Um, just because, you know, he's my GOAT. Like, you know, everybody has, like, MJ as their GOAT. Like, but Damian Thomas is my GOAT. That's who I saw when I really, really got into the game. Um, and I have to say probably AP because, you know, he was a bigger guy and things like that. Got it. No no room for Barry Sanders? I mean, obviously I would put Barry as one of the best, but 
just me personally, he's definitely the top five. Not even a guarantee. Not even a question. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I like it. I like it. JT, any anything on that before we we Man, finish? Yeah, NFL running back. Nobody <laughs> care what I think about a running <laughs> <laughs> We're not we're not gonna question it. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, we're almost done with the show, but before we let you go, we're gonna do a quick like two minute drill, rapid fire. I'll give you a question, just your first thought that comes up. You know, it, it, life experiences, game experiences, just your your per, personal moments. Um, so it'll, it'll be real quick. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So favorite personal college football moment that you experienced? Um, ACC championship. Nice. Which team while playing at Georgia Tech did you despise the most? Georgia and Miami. Ooh. JT, did you hear that? I love got our Canes in there. May we ask why our our Canes are in there? Or should we move to the next question? Because I had – when I was in high school, I was like one of the top five running backs in the country. I got every offer from – I had 50 offers. 49 of them were made for me to play running back. One of them was for me to play safety, and that was Miami. So I felt like that was a slap in the face. Uh, Miami, what were you thinking? Come on. What were you oh, thinking? He made us pay for it. <laughs> if Miami had offered at running back, is there a chance you would have went to the U? Well, I thought about it. Okay. Because, I mean – Fair enough. Honestly, it's – Honestly, some of my favorite teammates that play at the U. Yeah. DVD, um, Demarcus Van Dyke, and mm-hmm. Sean Smith are two of my favorite teammates. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, best player in college that you saw, beside yourself, of course. Um, on my team, <clears throat> we had Demarius Thomas and Morgan Burnett. Um, that we played against, I have like Two, Matt Ryan, and – oh, actually, I have a couple. Mike, uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Chancellor, TJ Spiller was really was, – was crazy. He put it on a track meet against us. Yep. And Chris Long and Luke Keekley. Okay. He named all the Hall of Famers except Co- for Spiller. And a couple BC guys in there. Yeah. Interesting. You don't always think of that. All right. College or pros, which team or player – did you just own like you knew you were you were you were gonna have a feast day when when you saw them on the schedule? Ah, uh, um, player. I don't really have a player. Team, more so team. Okay. Um, I had a lot of boys that play at UNC, so I would, we'll always talk shit with them. Um, UNC, Miami, and obviously Georgia. Okay. Oh, Georgia, good stuff. Most underrated player during your playing days, whether it was in college or the or the pros. Underrated, honestly, probably Ryan Clark. All right, RC, I like it. I because like it. I don't think I, I don't think people give RC a lot of credit um, because obviously it was, it was Troy's show, but um, without RC, Troy doesn't do what he does. Yep. yep. No, Steeler fans appreciate Ryan Clark like like no other. So I, it, I, I, I like that. I like that answer. Um, can you give a top three list of, of your best personal teammates? So what? Your, your top three list of, of your best teammates. Best teammates. Best teammates. Uh, Will Johnson. He was pulled back for me in Pittsburgh. He still talks. Um, Joshua Nesbitt, my quarterback in Georgia Tech. And probably AB, man. AB was really cool. I enjoyed playing with AB. 
All right, good stuff. Good, good stuff. And being a Steeler fan, I know Steeler Nation, there's going to be some tearful eyes when Ben retires. Um, on a scale of one to 10, one being, you know, not sad, but two being super sad, you know, how how will you feel or how sad will you be when, when Ben retires, whenever that might be, which could be at the end of this season upcoming? I'll say about a five or six. Okay. All right. I mean, the reason why – I mean, it's, it's, it's about that time, you know. Um, he's played a long time, man. And, yep. uh, you know, he knows how much, you know, how much longer he can he can take. But uh, he's doing going. Well. He's out there. And he's, you know, going to do his thing. Um, but uh, that's probably why, just because it's, it's about that time. Yeah. Okay. And then last question before we let you go. I know you're not a big fan of making prediction or rankings, but just – for our sake, entertain us. Predict the record of the Steelers this upcoming season, and do, do they make it to the Super Bowl? Super Bowl, if they can run the ball, they have a chance. But I think I think they'll make the playoffs for sure, and hopefully they'll either be second. I think they'll be second in their division. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. JT, you got any other questions for the man? No, no, he answered all my questions. I mean, <laughs> he he embarrassed us enough at G Tech, so I don't, I don't want him to relive any more of those moments. <laughs> You don't want him to brag against those. I will, I will. I will say this though, uh, personally, is that we and I talked about this with him before that Thursday night game that y'all had against us. And um, I remember I was in college, and I'm like, you know what? We always think the U is back, and I'm like, Thursday night game, we're gonna get G Tech, and then we proceeded to, you know, get ran over all game. I'm just like, man, like somebody tackled that kid, man. He's just going <laughs> off. <laughs> See, the, 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 the hate I have for UM. And Georgia, it's pretty, it's pretty neck and neck because it's like <clears throat> they always say that they're they're back. Yeah, we do, we do. We have, we we, and this it's like we have the, this year. This is this is it. <laughs> this is the team this year. This is it. And I'm like, dude, just like how you want? When's the last time y'all won a bowl game? Like, come on, like <laughs> y'all end up playing Wisconsin, y'all get drugged in the bowl game, and then you know we go on to the next year. Yeah. UGA, you ch- you choke halfway through the season, you lose some team you're not supposed to lose, and then you're upset because you're an SEC title, <clears throat> and then you don't make it to the playoff because you've lost two games already. It's all right. Yeah, yeah the the Canes I think are one in nine, one in ten in their last ten or eleven bowl games. So so you're yeah. right there. And if- we got a bad track record of showing up to bowl games that aren't <laughs> national championships. So. And- we expect that as Kings fans. And if you look at Jonathan's Wikipedia page, it's got a nice picture of him running down the sideline, I think, for a touchdown as a Miami Hurricane is on is that, the field. Is that what's really on there? It is. It oh, is. That Hell is. No. <laughs> I, Jonathan put it on himself, I think. No, no, I didn't. No. You did that, man? You updated that? No, I definitely didn't. <laughs> no, nah, but I we should. I should have, though. <laughs> that would have been funny if you actually <sighs> do that. But no, Jonathan, we we have had enough of your time already. So thank you very much being so generous with your time and answering all of our questions, uh, enlightening us. And just, it was an awesome, awesome show. Thank you again. We hope, we hope you'd love to come back on in, in the future at some point. Yeah, man, just hit me up. All right, sounds good. JT, any last words? Nah, man, appreciate it, man. Always great to talk with people that have done it and great perspective, man. Definitely a lot of eye-opening uh, information. So we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you to our guest, Jonathan Dwyer, for joining us. JT, that was an awesome episode. A lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Definitely, man. Definitely. 
always, always good to hear from people that actually know about sports rather than listening to you. And a former Pittsburgh Steeler. Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. To the fans and listeners out there, thank you for listening. As always, we couldn't do it and we wouldn't do it without you guys. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And also remember to please follow us on social media. Our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.